0: Every day I learn more because everybody is so different when it comes to neurodiversity. There is no sort of cookie cutter sort of version of, of neurodiversity as you as you well know. I can't see numbers, like they're completely blind to me. You need to partner with the right people when it comes to numbers. Um, Richard Branson is absolutely shocking with numbers. Not only over the last sort of four or five years that he's understood net and gross, which is mad isn't it when you think about it.
1: Have you ever wondered how successful businesses and thought leaders keep landing those big media opportunities and keep the buzz going around what they're up to? It's not just by chance. They're all using the power of storytelling. I'm Nicola J. Rowley, and with over 25 years in the media as both a journalist and PR expert, I'm here to help you unlock the story potential for both you and and your brand. Everything starts with a story. This is the Power of Storytelling Podcast. Well, hello there. It's brilliant to have you with us today. And today we're going to be talking all about resilience and not giving up because I think it's such an important skill to have when you are starting to think about making more of an impact, going out there, being seen in the media, having that resilience on so many levels is going to help you navigate your way through this. And I think that it helps in all areas, whether it's just life, whether you're running your own business, whatever it may be, resilience is a really key thing. So my guest today is the wonderful... Elliot Brown. He knows all about resilience because he is a business performance and resilience expert. Elliot, it's brilliant to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Let's start off by exploring a bit of your journey because there's quite a lot of different elements to it, aren't there? There's, it's not just a linear well, I started <laughs> off here and then I started off there. There have been a lot of highs and lows. You've mentioned to me that you had some adversity. Sure. And I'm guessing that comes from growing up. So where did that adversity take you when you started off, what was it? And then where did it take you to?
0: Okay. Very quickly. I grew up in a reasonably privileged um, household, actually, unlike a lot of entrepreneurs that sort of, you know, say they, they lived in struggles and that's what they did. Mine was reasonably privileged. My father was a very controlling, um, abusive father, to be fair. Uh, so there was a lot of adversity there. Um, a lot of, um, you know, he would, would ridicule me in front of people. And so when I, when I started getting older and I left home, which I did Pretty, pretty rapidly one day and went out on my own well, I could have joined the family business but uh, but I didn't I, I went out on my own there's no way I was going to sort of stay in that environment I sort of wanted to prove something to him that I could do it without him basically uh, and I learned a lot about him later on in life which we could cover as we go through the conversation so I ended up leaving home um, and and just going on a bit of a bit of a sort of a path a travel so to speak and that included me um, going to Spain. And when I went to Spain, I went down to the Costa del Sol, or Costa del Crime, as uh, as we know it as, and proceeded to get into some reasonably hot bother. I suppose would be the want of a better description. When I was with my girlfriend at the time. We'd not long got engaged, so we moved to we we're in Fuengarola. And it's one day we were we were working in a bar, but we had, uh, the rent was due. The problem is we didn't have the money coming in from the work at the bar until after the rent was due. So literally needed a buffer for a couple of weeks, and we're only be talking. I mean, you know the rent at that time it was a studio apartment in were overlooking the marina it was very very cheap uh, it would have been the equivalent to what a couple of hundred pounds maybe something along those lines so of course I get onto the phone I remember where I stood I get onto the phone uh, and my father got he was in a foul mood and refused to, to help me out now it was this point is where things sort of changed now I'd always I'd been a bit, a little bit naughty back in the day you know school lad you know, a little bit of a tuck shop business and, you know, and stationary business and things, which I nearly got expelled for. This standard sort of stuff that a lot of entrepreneurs do, right? And, and and so I'd always skirted the lines of being a little naughty and, you know, and not, so to speak, but always had that entrepreneurial sort of flair. So we're in work in this bar and we couldn't afford to pay the rent. However, there was an opportunity for me to be able to strap up some cannabis resin at the time and fly back to the UK. Now you get paid a reasonable amount of money. Okay. So my girlfriend and I both did this over a couple of months. And of course we could pay our rent, no problem at all. In doing this, you enter a life that is slightly different from the norm. You're not just selling a little bit here and there to friends and things like that. You know, you're talking a couple of kilos and yes, there was contacts, but you Enter into a world that is slightly different from your average. In doing that, you there's other opportunities. Now, I obviously know I'm ADHD these days, so there is an impulsiveness. There's an excitement that comes from these things. In fact, I felt bulletproof when I was smuggling. I remember saying those words that I felt bulletproof doing it because I got away with it. But that sort of took me in down a path that got me involved in doing more and more. And then another opportunity came along. And eventually we built up over a period of time and a mass and a mass as you start doing as you start building up and you know, they start driving a vehicle back. And so over the period of a of a year or two, those quantities build up built up, the money builds up, you're then bringing a vehicle back and, you know, stack it sticking it in the vehicle. And of course, one of these days, and we've got through the border numerous times, built up, you know, I don't know, three, four hundred grand, I suppose, cash over over a period of a year. One of these days, we're in the Pyrenees, it's snowing, it's like heavily snowing, and we can't get through the normal border, so we end up pulling into a hotel. While we're in this hotel, you know, we stay overnight, and I say, well, why don't we just go skiing for a couple of days while well, it's like this? Because the normal frontier would be the one that I would prefer to go through. And this is where gut instinct really kicks in and, I suppose, probably the one of the biggest things that, that I look back to at that time. My gut instinct had got me through lots of potentially sticky situations, Nick, right? Where you, a lot of people wouldn't do it, but my gut instinct was good. I was like, yeah, I'm good with this, you know? The morning after we stay in this hotel, we sat at breakfast. I remember sitting there very, very clearly to this day. I remember the napkins were laid out. I remember the dining area, everything, right? All white, and it was all white outside. And uh, there was a conversation going on between me and my girlfriend at the time. I said, if we go through today, this is going to be my last breakfast in freedom. And my gut instinct was screaming at me, like it was telling me, don't do this. But we had sort of commitments to be back at a certain time. You know, we'd agreed to do a deal. And so we ended up going through a different border. We ended up being pulled over. And this is a main border. So they're pulling over randomly, pulling over vehicles. And we're in a vehicle that quite clearly is a vehicle that people smuggle in. Okay. And so what they do is they uh, send the dogs in, no problem at all. It was all wrapped. And then they end up pulling the floor up. And that's when I remember that comment I made, this would be the last breakfast in freedom. And my gut instinct had said it. But there's part of you that still sort of believes that you're going to get away with this. It's like bizarre. There's part of your brain that doesn't want to admit that you are, you know, in trouble here, right? There's there's no sort of getting out of this. It's not like you can just walk away. They're not going to go, oh, okay, don't worry about it. And they find 110 kilos in there.
1: And I presume at this point, you then go on to serve time.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I wasn't a very good career criminal, that's for sure. It was an awakening for me. The ADHD brain there's a very fine line between going down the path of criminality, being a creative and going into acting. And there's, there's a very fine line between the two and music as well. So creatives, musicians, we know obviously in the States and rappers and things, there's that very fine line. In fact, they've not just skirted the line, they've been on both sides. And so the business and all of that, there's a, there's a certain type of brain that, that sort of fits into those categories. You can go one way or the other. So yes, I did. I ended up doing, um, you know, I got four years and did tw- um, tw- you know, two and a half years. And when I got out, that was where the journey started for me to sort of prove to myself, I did what I did in a way, looking back, and my cousin talked about this recently to me over the last couple of years, really made me look at why I've done certain things. And discovering ADHD later in life has made me look at, look at it as well. I wanted to prove something to my father that I could do whatever, you know, go and go and do this. And yes, I didn't choose necessarily the right product. However, there was very entrepreneurial. There was a lot in in that that whole area there, that there's a good few chapters that there's a lot of entrepreneurial things that come very, very close to, to doing normal business. In fact, probably easier to do business and more respected than in the business world. There's more sharks out there than there probably are in that world, if I'm honest with you, as we're all well aware. That's the beginning part of my journey. And there's a lot more we could have gone into, but I won't do because it would take a lot of time. And that's where my business journey starts. You know, the sort of legal business journey, I suppose, there was a lot of lessons in there that... You lo- use, believe it or not, there's a lot of painful lessons in that that you use in everyday life. And respect freedom is one of the biggest things. Is is that you know whatever happens, you're still free. You can go and walk out that door and make anything happen if you want to. You can't when you're there. So that's one thing that reminds me every day and every year. I celebrate the day that I got released as well. So the business journey started there, but I had to start from scratch. You know, I had to get known. And also with really this behind me as well. And and I'm very conscious of the fact that that was my history.
1: Did that hold you back? Because I can imagine you've served time now, so you have a criminal record. And, you know, in so many ways, you hear of convicts when they've come out, whether they've been rehabilitated or whatever, that it still holds them back. So they're still being held back by having a label, having that label of you've served time
0: hundred percent. I've always been really straight with people that know me, my friends, people that get close to me. Um, In fact, they always want me to recount certain things because of course it's exciting. It's different, you know? Um, But I've not, really used it until more recently or, or not used it but but brought it into my personal brand so to speak but you're right I had an opportunity to go back into the family business I did we launched a, I launched a product believe it or not that I found an, an area of the business that I could help to rescue part of the business that was dying um and you know created a product launched a product and and did that and of course clashed with my father again and ended up you know leaving that but and so that in essence would have been a better option because they were aware and I could have sort of almost have been sheltered by the business. In fact, the family business, and, and and it not have been an issue. But I didn't choose that easy path. It wasn't easy, actually. It would have been painful, and it would have done my. It wouldn't have been good for my mental health working with my father. And my grandfather actually had said to me, "Listen, you go and do your own thing. He's only going to drive the business into the ground." Which in essence he did years later. And so I went out and thought, "What do I need to do?" And so I got a job knocking doors, selling water coolers. That was my first year or so um, after leaving the family business. So a couple of years after, after sort of getting out. And then got into doing corporate sales, uh, capital equipment, and so I, I wanted to prove to myself the, the selling side. I need to learn sales. I need to learn how to deal with people on a on a business to business level and a on a person to person level as well, and every level as well. I dealt with you know small businesses, large businesses, corporates, and as well as public sector. And for me, and again the ADHD brain, once you've learned something, you want to flip onto the something out and learn that as well to the best of your ability, and you know double down on that until you become the best. And I and I was I was known to be being one of the best in the country in the equipment that we sold um, on holidays away and all sorts. So I proved that to myself.
1: It does feel like that early part, you were trying to prove to your dad yes, that you could 100%. do things. And now you've taken that ownership. I'm sure that probably like your granddad's words ringing in your ears probably had something to do with that. You want to prove it to yourself. Yeah. Actually, I can do this. Yeah. You've mentioned a few times about having ADHD. At what point did the penny drop that actually that's why you were wired slightly differently or you, you look at things <laughs> in a different way to say someone that's not neurodiverse.
0: Alternative I, I is a is sort of catch line I, I use all the time now because I quite like it. It came to me in a vision uh, early part of the year. But second year of lockdown, Clubhouse, actually. Um, well, I was on Clubhouse. Which, when we look at a lot of the people that are on there, there's a huge amount of neurospicy people that were on there, all attracted to that sort of dopamine, that sort of that information hit you're getting that you're constantly chasing. Hence, staying up for two or three days at a time, you know, in running rooms, uh, madness. When we look back, right, but but created some great connections globally. Um, so it was the, it was that second year of lockdown when you were on Clubhouse. if People don't know what Clubhouse is. It's it was a social audio app. Basically, it was the best way of explaining it. Social media, but it was audio only, and a lot of us got drawn. To towards it and spent a lot of time there connected and and spoke up as well you know once you got that confidence we're speaking on virtual stages on our phones in essence in front of thousands of people at times that was as nervous made you feel as nervous when you first did it as stepping out probably more so than stepping out onto a stage that you could see lots of people because all you could see was avatars it was a few months after the, the sort of really big times of, of that so sort of halfway through that first year. When I was in a in a big room, there was thousands of thousands of uh, of, uh, mostly American uh, business owners, a lot of CEOs all up on the stage. You know, high level, really high level, from all sorts of large companies as well that you would know the names of as well. Uh, Marketing CEOs, loads of people, and they were very creative. They were talking about nootropics, and I didn't know what nootropics were at the time. So the so the conversation attracted me, and then I was hearing what they were talking about, why they were talking about nootropics, and a lot of it was to do with the fact that they'd uh, a lot of these high level CEOs. And of course, they've known about ADHD way longer than we have, or at least admitted and owned it way earlier than we have in the UK and Europe. And they were talking about they moved on to nootropics rather than Ritalin and, and other, other um, pharmaceutical drugs because that masked the abilities they had, made them almost normal, in fact, after a while. So they went to nootropics. And I was listening to why and the things that they had as ADHD. And I'm starting to think, yeah, do you know, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's me. Yeah, that that's me. I've I've done things like that, and there's a few of them that had been in trouble earlier as well, and then gone into business. And so, of course, there's a lot then that start resonating with me, and then I'm getting onto stage, I'm talking, and I'm I'm connecting with these people, and I'm still very close to a lot of them today. And through that, there was a psychologist or psychotherapist—I get mixed up between the two—that works with ADHD patients in New York. And so uh, he said, "Listen, well, let's get on a call," because I'd never been diagnosed. I didn't really, you know, know much about it. I just put it with autism as as as. Uh, uh, ignorant as I was to, to you know, neurodiversity, which, you know, obviously there are links there as well. And, uh, and he diagnosed me over the phone and we had about an hour conversation. I mean, diagnosed me about 10 minutes to be fair. He said, of course you are. <laughs> but then he went through the process. So I haven't been done officially here in the UK because I don't want to go through a two-year process, if I'm honest. I might do at some stage. I don't need to, but a lot of things started slotting in.
1: Does having that diagnosis, did it it, did it change things for you in terms of the penny dropping? Okay, I understand why I now think the way that I do.
0: Not straight away, because you don't understand yet, and of course, the ADHD brain wants to work a lot of things out. So, yes, of course, there were a lot of things that resonated with other people. I still didn't understand myself. Uh, two years on, I'm I, I get it completely, and probably the beginning of this year is where it re- the penny really, really dropped. I suppose um, it's really helped a lot in the past for the way i as you said the alternative way of looking at things i've got dyscalculia as well which I, of course is something more recently I've, I've discovered um and again i've done sort of a diagnosis online and um, well, not that i needed to i'm number blind completely um but i'm not dyslexic i'm i can see i can see words like i've always been able to spell and spell them out in my head i can't see numbers like they're completely blind to me
1: does that make business harder because like you know you need to know your numbers you need to know where you're heading 100%. and everything else and yep. if you if you really struggle with that I presume you you've had to find someone that can work alongside you in, in your team to be able to then help you be able to decipher it
0: you need to partner with the right people when it comes to numbers um listen, all the best people do. Richard Branson is absolutely shocking with numbers. He's literally, you know, profit and loss. He, you know, it's not only over the last sort of four or five years that he's understood, uh, you know, net and gross, basically, which is mad, isn't it, when you think about it? But he had no interest. He, you get the right people to do that. And over the years, I've had good people at times, and other times I haven't. And when I haven't, you know, my personal financial situation has been shocking. Um, and I've been, I've hit rock bottom a couple of times throughout my life because of that. So yes, there's definitely a lot of those things that uh, are challenges that can really pull you down and and doesn't just affect you, you know, your business. It affects your personal life. It affects your psyche, your mental health. It affects everything. Um, it's very difficult to pull yourself out of that as well. Um, now I understand dopamine and that sort of lack of, if I felt like that now, I would jump about like a complete loon, uh, believe it or not, uh, and get that dopamine going or make sure I go out for a walk every couple of hours, which I wouldn't have done a few years ago when I was challenged, particularly in lockdown. I didn't do that. I sat there trying to work things out. No wonder I didn't get anywhere for a while. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot to be learned from it. And every day I learn more because everybody is so different when it comes to neurodiversity. There's no, there is no sort of cookie cutter sort of version of, of neurodiversity as you, as you well know there's a lot of questions it answers about why i always felt different at school uh, why i wanted to stay feeling different believe it or not um i used to get the mickey taken out of me and bullied uh, for saying glass rather than glass and um and bus rather than bus uh, because i grew up in the midlands and I, i've got you know um uh, my, my father is from from london my mum's dutch so it's had very neutral accents southern more than anything still have And I wanted to stay like that at school. I didn't want to conform to everybody else speaking a different way. Now, everybody thought that was a bit strange, but it made me different, you know, Maybe stand out.
1: Was that part of the fact that, I mean, maybe we shouldn't go here.
0: No, you can go anywhere you like.
1: (laughs) Was that part of the fact that actually you didn't feel like in your father's eyes that you stood out, so therefore you wanted to stand out somewhere so that you had that ownership for yourself?
0: No, because I, and I've thought about that as well, because my cousin and I have dove deep into these things. He saw a lot of things that I didn't see as a kid because you don't tend to see them yourself. And he, so he sort of said, well, you know, this happened and that happened. Um, no, because then I would have put the accent on at school, wouldn't I? And then come home and, and not done it, which a lot of people do in that situation. No, I took I took the bullying and in fact, then turned into the sort of class clown and became the comedian to, to get round that whole sort of, you know, bullying side of things. And and I can't say I had loads of friends, but it, it stopped it stopped that side. You know, when you're silly and you become, you know, the silly person and whatever, you get away with a lot more when it comes to people rather than being bullied, you know. So, no, I don't I don't think it was. I genuinely do feel, and I still do to this day, that I, that I like, I actually like to be different. I like to be different then. You've just got to understand how you can make that work in amongst people that are, dare I say, normal. And that, you know, that may get slated, but there are the norms and there are people that are slightly different. And uh the slightly different people tend to be those creative entrepreneurial types that that, that choose one path or the other, don't they?
1: They absolutely do. Now you mentioned about the fact that you've had all time lows where you've just like you've hit rock bottom. Oh, of course. But there've also been highs as well, haven't there?
0: Yeah, of course. Um, don't get me wrong. We, I've had some great years, you know. Um, in, in the last sort of ten years, it's been a roller coaster. Um, and only a few years ago, uh, you know, I was in a in a house with an outdoor pool. I mean, the year before lockdown, the best summers we've ever had. Twenty nineteen was it? Was it twenty nineteen? The best summer we've ever had. I was in a house with a you know an outdoor heated pool. So you know, life wasn't too bad. Well, over lockdown and things, that's changed again, and having to restart again from from scratch in essence, because you know a lot of things didn't happen with the business, and there was a you know a. Combination Compound effect of of a number of years of things not necessarily going to plan and investing and those things not working but it's been some great highs i've had a great life i mean this is you know one of even going back to those days i look back at that with fond memories some of that was great fun i mean i never you know I, i wouldn't i wouldn't recommend people doing it but i can't change it and i look back it's like looking back at a film and there are chapters in my life, which will be part of the book that I've started writing, that that in essence have got some shocking, interesting, exciting stuff in there and some serious highs and lows. So, yeah, of course, uh, it comes with the territory. It's all painting that rich tapestry of life.
1: It absolutely is. And I think you've hit the nail on the head because I think when we go through our lives at any stage, it is like a book and there are different chapters and different chapters things happen, different yep. stories that, you know, you go through and bits and pieces. What's the current chapter that you're now on? This
0: is the this is the best so far yet to come. I um, just started writing this one, I suppose, not physically writing it, but I am literally creating it. I've just turned 49. Um, it's my seventh, seventh year. I've got a big thing with sevens, number blind, right? But I've got the big thing with sevens. And so this is my seventh, seventh year. I know my sevens, believe it or not. For me, I've been looking forward to this year for a while. I don't think i wanted to go through the few years that i've been through recently but i'm good with it um it's been some dark moments but there's a lot of been a real journey of self-discovery since since the discovery of adhd and then it kicking in the understanding of it sort of within a few six months afterwards you know so this chapter everything i've done has really helped me to understand the impact that People have, can have in your lives your, your you know your, your upbringing can have the way your your brain is and how that impacts you as well. And we're all alternative neurospicy or not, right? We all have our own uh, unique way of thinking and, and perceiving things. But the impact that that we have on ourselves and other other situations and people have on us will impact how we can impact other people, other things, our businesses, our lives, etc. And I understand this like I've experienced so many varied things, painfully and otherwise, and been a journey that, that I'm very open about, as you can tell, that now understanding how that can actually benefit ADHD entrepreneurs, creatives, visionaries, um, is sort of culminated in me now working with predominantly ADHD entrepreneurs, business owners that think outside the box, companies that want to either learn from somebody that thinks outside the box or that they have people in their businesses, their organizations that are neurodiverse I'm actually doing some neurodiversity training in November actually which is going to add a great string to my bow and suppose give me some validation on that side as well you know this all folds nicely and it's like the timing is it's, it's just meant to be I'm lining the stars up so now moving forward I want to help as many people as I can that to, to actually understand how to harness their strengths how to manage those challenges how to manage the impacts. And then how they can impact themselves and everything they do moving forward from resilience, and uh, you know, to the way their brain works, to the opportunities they've got around them, and things that they don't that they will often overlook as well, because we don't often see our strengths, we don't often see what people would say about us when we're not in the room. When we do realise that it can either be an awakening in a good way or a bad way, and we can adapt, adopt, or improve accordingly, you know? So um, so this chapter is the start of the rest of my life. I've just turned 49. I've got another 80 years left to live. So we're only just starting the real journey.
1: Oh, I love that. I love the fact that you're so positive and you're, like, embracing this chapter as yeah, the one to go forward. And when we talk about resilience, because that's what we're talking about in this episode of the podcast yeah. – resilience for you what does that mean
0: you've got to have self-belief we all fall over as kids right and we and we get back up again uh, most most people, not everybody, has the ability to. But let's let's just talk about the. You know, generally, that's what will happen. We will stub our toe on something, and we don't tend to not do it again. Although sometimes we start, we, stu- we stub our toe on the edge of the bed. You know, you know, maybe ten times over a few years, which is annoying. And we do do things repeatedly sometimes. But understanding that we've come through stuff, and it's it's really at looking back. Or what we have done and everybody has experienced things. We take it for granted what we've been through, what we've recovered from, what relationships, uh, family issues, challenges, businesses, job changes, falling over, hurting ourselves, being damaged, breaking, but whatever, whatever it is, we've been through something. And I, I it's identifying that, is owning the strength that we've got. And when you can do that and stand in your power and you understand, and you've got clarity of mind and purpose, you can be a lot more resilient Weeble-like, as I like to call it. Weebles, they don't fall down, right? So resilience is its a mindset thing. The fear of failure isn't often the fear of failure. It's the fear of success as well, right? Which I talk about a lot. We will fear the success more than the failure, probably, although we'll feel the failure as well. Because the success means that we're going to have to do some more work, particularly in business. And we were talking about entrepreneurialism more than anything, but just in life, right? If we become successful at a role, we're going to move on to another position, maybe. Or do you want to stay where you are? I like growth mindset people. I like people that have got a vision and and want to look forward. And when you've got a very clear vision and you believe it, you can achieve it and you've got to really see that. So it's a very visual thing. All of that and more can help you to be resilient because if you keep feeding the good wolf and you keep standing in your power and you own it and you, you know where you're going, you believe it and you've got the right people around you to champion you, to say the right things about you when you're in the room and people know what you do, so that they can champion you when you're not there. So that creates resilience. It's an ecosystem of everything. It's the knowledge, it's it's the whole lot. And it's understanding how to own that, that creates resilience. And we can bounce back from anything. You know, I've done that and been through a roller coaster, And there's people that have been through a damn sight worse than me that have also got to a way further than I have. So there's always somebody out there that can prove us wrong about our doubting ourselves and that in again if we if we understand that and we can look at those people you you should be able to create resilience around that it takes a bit of work doesn't it
1: it certainly does and i love that ethos because one of my favorite all time quotes is by audrey hepburn and she said there's no such word as impossible the word itself says i'm possible
0: 100%. Elliot
1: it's been brilliant having you with us
0: thank you very much
1: if someone wants to connect with you find out more about how you might be able to help them how can they get in touch
0: well you can find me at Elliot C com that's E double L I O T C and then Brown with an E dot com uh, or you can find me Elliot C Brown spelt the same across pretty well all socials these days to be honest so uh, so yeah check check me out and if there's anything I can ever do to help do not be afraid to reach out a lot of ADHD people don't do not be afraid to reach out I always happy to have a a conversation
1: that's brilliant thank you so much for joining us on the power of storytelling podcast thank you if you are thinking okay i want to embrace being seen i want to be known for my you know my credibility my expert status i really want to put start putting myself out there find out how ready you are for pr by taking our free quiz -quiz pr-quiz.com and I will see you again on the next episode of the Power of Storytelling podcast.